What's up, podcast listeners? I'm excited to bring you another seminar um, think tank mentorship thing I put on last year. Um, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to create a warm up so specific to yourself, to your client. There was a great group discussion. We talk about rep ranges, programming, everything in this episode. So, here it is. It's a lot of information. Take notes. Here we go. Alright, questions from last time. Concerns. Feedback. <laughs> um, no. Alright, so um since you weren't here, was it last two? Yeah, last two. Um, you weren't there when we FMS Leah, right? Mm-hmm. Or were, okay. Um, so essentially what we're going to do today is go over programming, but we're going to start with how to create a warm-up for Leah. Um, and the big thing with her, when we looked at the FMS, it was more so her right hip just didn't work as it should. There's both a mobility issue and a stability issue. Um, yeah, that was kind of the biggest ones. So based on what we know so far about the FMS and the information I've just given about Leah, where would you kind of start with her warm-up? Okay. 
So now, where would you want to transition from there? And again, this is like, there's so many different possibilities. There's no wrong answer other than, now we're standing up and running down the, the gym floor. So where would you want to go there? Like think about how it's going to flow. Like put yourself through this warm up. You're doing say 10 reps aside. Mm -hmm. And now where are we going to go? Say one of our goals is I want to get a big booty. Where are we going from there? <laughs> that you can throw that into the warm up. Show me the movement. Okay, <laughs> okay bird dog, yeah. Up, but thank you. Think yeah. more glute specific. If your client said, I want glute exercises in my program. Bridges. Oh, yeah. Boom, bridges. yeah, glute bridge. Yeah. From there, where should we go? Make it flow nice. Do they still really want a big butt? <laughs> this is just like another exercise. It doesn't, I was just like letting the flow go, the juices flow at that point. She's on her back. You could do more scores, but you could do, um, you could do dead butts. Hell yeah, there you go. But more specifically, why would you want Leah doing dead bugs? Yeah, so because she has a weird hip thing and she needs mobility, yeah. doing things like a dead bug is going to promote a good um, relation between core stability and hip stability. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like using the dead bug. So, all right, from the dead bug, where are we going to go? Uh, probably take her, yeah, take her into the tabletop after that and do. Well, she could do like this one too for hips. Yeah, the rock and frog. Yeah. Whatever else you want to call it. Um. And then from there, where are we gonna go? From there, I would maybe come into. Oh yeah, ninety ninety. Or even well, she's on her hands and knees, so she could do her bird dogs if yeah. she wanted to go from there. Um, and then from there, I'd probably come into. Do you ever do like planks in the warm up? Like, do we want to work like laterally and do like? We can. Um, or, we're like, almost moving too far ahead, okay. but because um, I usually keep around ten exercises in the warm up. Yeah. So like we're basically halfway. Mm -hmm. So now, one way of getting out of the bird dog that I like getting into is a half kneel position. Okay. So in this position, now you can get really creative. It's like, what can I do in a half kneel? for the individual to work X, Y, and Z. So something as simple as, let's now do shoulder cars. Oh. Right, like you don't have to just do shoulder cars here. Like you can yeah. do the movement in so many different positions. Yeah. It just almost makes sense to just do it that way. So now that we're kneeling, where can we go from there? Now that we're kneeling, we use those kettlebells. Yes, I would go body weight first with someone that I just started uh, started with, okay. only because most likely that they don't move too well. Okay. Right. So like Leah was saying that a lot of exercises that involve like deadlifts, good mornings, things like that, always tend to bug her low back, okay. which tells me that she probably progressed herself too quickly down the line somewhere yeah. where she didn't have a good enough foundation. So I almost look at the warm up as we're building a foundation and as a person's consistent with me month after month after month, that's when I can start throwing in more complicated things. Okay. So for long story short, yes, we're gonna have to keep the body weight. Okay. So but that's not wrong with certain people. Right. 
because I can literally create a warm-up if I really wanted to. This is where programming is like, you can get as creative as possible. The warm-up can literally be three exercises for five rounds, and all it is is the Turkish get-up, kettlebell squats, and like push-ups. Yeah. Right, it kind of works all the things that I want for a certain individual, and I keep it super simple, it's easy to remember, and you need minimal equipment. Right, that's where it kind of goes into the beauty of everything, but for now, we'll kind of keep it simple. Is it too much to go up and down, like if you're kneeling and then you're going to stand on your knees and first lunge and alternate sides? Nope. I would also say, like, since she, since we know that she's a yoga teacher, like mm -hmm. you could do some, like, from her in in this position, she could like go down and even like go back to down dog and do like knees or something like that, yep. and like open up and alternate sides. And she, like, we know that she's already familiar with those movements and is good with, um, yeah. It's so I wrote down a yoga mini flow, okay. and that's where like you can just create whatever concept, and I like doing that stuff because like in my warm ups I have people doing a knee tug, both hands come down, they open up, yeah. they go into a straight thing, come yeah, back yeah. up, do the same side or alternate. Like yeah. now you're thinking of like how do I create the heart rate to go up a little bit higher so they are actually warm. Exactly. Um, so from there, where would you want to go? From there, I would bring her up to stand, to standing, and maybe then do the, the knee and back, or even um, even practicing the single leg deadlifts from like with no weight and just doing this one. Yep. So why would you want to choose that? Well, because you said we're just building the foundation. Yeah. And so that's an help her yep. the foundation for doing that. Deadlift and single leg deadlift properly. Yeah. yeah. But a little bit more specific to Leah. Um, her hips. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, so now we kind of hit two, I would say, leg, leg heavy exercises. Maybe let's for the next one think of an upper body warm up movement that you can throw in. Uh, maybe with the band, you could do the pull aparts or something like that. Yeah. All right, one more exercise, and it can be anything, really. It doesn't have to be our great up, per se. Because um, when you're up against the wall, you're raising your arms. Is that not something? That's something I would use something earlier. But I'm looking for a little bit more taxing of a movement. What about uh, this one, going up and down? Oh, like a fry squat? Yeah. That one, maybe? Or we already did lots of legs. What do you want to focus on? Arms or core or something? So we're going to keep it as is, okay. and then we're going to break this down a little bit further. Um, so we kind of hammered some good exercises. The other thing that I look at and like, started doing this now to a higher extent, but there's different planes of motion that our body goes through. And the issue, what happened to your shirt? Oh, I just spoke to you on it. I don't want it to stain, so I just rinsed it. <laughs> um, so to kind of bring you up to date, what we're doing is we're thinking of Leah's FMS and what exercises we would put in for her warm-up. Okay. Keeping into consideration how it's gonna flow. So an example of that is, Say we started with open books, but you know because her hip had that mobility issue and stability issue, it wouldn't make sense for you to now stand up and now start doing something like hip cars. And then now you're gonna go back to uh, the floor and do that. But there's always the exception to a rule. So I like the idea of going up, down, up, down, up, down for an individual that is older or someone who is obese. Because for an older individual, the number one issue for them is if they fall, they can't get back up. So wouldn't it make more sense to make them like bulletproof in the sense that if I have them on the floor, they need to learn how to get up, right? So indirectly, I'm putting that on purpose. Um, and then if someone was obese, my like thought process like they need to burn as many calories as possible to see the benefit of their health. 
So it's like, yeah, I would do open books and then get them standing doing some sort of thing, then get them back, and it's just like that constant up and down. But then there's also the flip side, it's a double-edged sword. If they're brand new to exercise and they're severely obese, doing that up, down, up, down, they're not gonna be able to finish your workout. All right, so, <laughs> questions at all yet? No? So, do you guys know the three planes of motion our body can go through? Yep, that's one of them. It's written on the board. <laughs> Do you know what they are if you had to demonstrate it? Like if I asked you, show me a sagittal exercise. Go lunge. Wait, yeah. 100%, yeah. Forward lunge. Forward lunge, yeah. reverse lunge, reverse lunge. Squat, squat, deadlift, anything that goes forward and back. Yeah. Frontal is everything side to side. So if I did a lateral lunge, be frontal. If I did a lateral raise, it'd be frontal. Transverse is anything that crosses the midline. So an issue that we see in our programming, which will take a long time to dissect, a lot of it is in the sagittal plane, meaning everything's forward and back constantly. So if we look at ours here, we have sagittal, 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 sagittal. I would consider the sagittal. This one hits a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Sagittal, sagittal, sagittal. So then when you look at that, you know, yeah, you're improving all the specific things to those people, uh, to, to Leah, but down the line, I'd start thinking, how can I get away from just the sagittal movement pattern? Like every coach does this, they always like stay in one plane of motion. Whereas our daily lives require us to go here and here and across our body without effing this section up, essentially, right? So for like her first warm up for any person, like this is gonna do really, really well for them. But down the line, like say three months, I would start looking at warm up you create, and if 90% of it is sagittal, try to think of other exercises that will work different planes of motion. So, let's think of now, if we had to take out the rocking frog stretch, the glute bridge, fry squat, and maybe bend pull parts into either a frontal plane exercise or a transverse plane exercise. Fire instead of Yep. Could you do a front raise with the band instead of so that would still technically be um, sagittal, right? Technically, you could give it, 
but it requires a lot of stuff that has to happen at the same time. And I know Leah's super flexible and everything like that, but if she said that her low back hurts at certain movements and she has a weird hip thing, I wouldn't jump to that just yet. Um, If we rearranged the bird dog and the half kneel shoulder car, it's gonna get messy, I'm sorry, to here after the dead bug, and then we moved this guy down here. Where am I going with this? I just had an idea. that I had in my head that was going to work beautifully in this. Oh, that's what I was going to do. Um, so yeah, we move these two above the rocking, um, actually I would move these three, sorry, the yoga mini flow above, then get the person standing. Um, I would throw in a hip car. Even though it hits sagittal at one mo moment, it goes into frontal back to sagittal, so it's a way to kind of cheat it. Because um, you'll find that a lot of exercises will kind of blend with each other if they're super dynamic. But this is essentially like thought process behind programming. It's supposed to take a long time. And then when you actually do a warm up that's specific to you, because it's challenging all your weaknesses, on paper, it looks super easy, but when you do it, you're like, why the fuck is this so hard? Right? Like, every new person I train, they look at the program, they're like, oh, I don't know about it, it's going to be too easy. And then by the end of it, it's like either they can't finish or they're sweating so much that they've, they're like, what's going on here? Right? So, with that being said, I'm kind of going back to different ideas of how to create a warm up. It doesn't have to have 10 exercises, it could be 15, it could be 20, it could be three, like the previous example, but you also want to think about time, right? So if we've already done foam rolling, which is like, I usually want it to be five minutes, and then all of this stuff should be um, 10 to 15 minutes. So now you think of a brand new person, never exercised in their life, this section might take 30 minutes. So I always tell people their first session is gonna be pretty slow and we're probably not gonna finish everything, but by the end of it, they're still really freaking tired. So then it's like, if you make that kind of expectation to a brand new person that it's gonna be a lot slower, there's gonna be a learning curve, and then eventually it's gonna go a lot faster, then they're gonna be a little bit more bought in and it almost becomes a challenge to themselves that I wanna finish my warm up at this time, right? So as people are stuck with you longer, you can create longer warm ups to kind of attack more things, but it's like I always look for low hanging fruit. So if someone's like super jacked up in their upper body, I might just like focus the first four exercises, just T-spine stuff, knowing that two more exercises of their warm-ups already at the 30-minute mark. But if you wanted to get a little bit more creative, because there's no like wrong way of doing it, what other ways would you want to program a warm-up? And like you can like throw out ideas and I'll tell you how you can work it in. Any kind of concept. All right, so here we have 10 exercises, and say you do 10 reps of each one. With the foam rolling, it's already been 15 minutes, now you're into your workout. If you know you want to warm up for at least 10 minutes, what other protocols would you want to try to follow? Make sure that they include whatever's important. Sure. Um, if we go with that, um, something as simple as like, Cutting this down to five exercises, and then having three movements that are in the workout that require a lot more motor control. So say you have Leah doing single leg deadlift, and 
pull-ups and barbell back squats. You could have a set of those three exercises kind of regress to get her warmed up. So you can literally do a light kettlebell single leg deadlift. Then you can get her doing some sort of pulling exercise, like even wrapping a band around the squat rack half kneel and you're pulling for 15 reps. And then you got her doing a barbell, empty bar, barbell squat for five reps. And you do those three exercises, three rounds. That could be a warm up. You can set a timer for 10 minutes with five exercises and you just tell the person you're gonna do these five for 10 reps each and you're just trying to get as many rounds as possible, take as long as you want, do as many rounds or fewer rounds than you did last week as long as you feel warm. Like there's so many different ways, right? Like in the kettlebell world, your warm up is here's a 10 minute timer, you're doing the Turkish get up for 10 minutes, go. But then when you think about how we did the Turkish get up before, freaking works everything, kind of just you don't need to do anything else. So if you hammer things like that out, then you don't get bored of creating your own warm-up. You can also go, before you do anything, jump on the bike for three minutes to get blood flow going, and now let's do our mobility work. Any, any questions? That kind of makes sense? Not really, no. Okay. Um, what do you guys know about programming? Because now we're going to go into like the bulk of a workout if we had to design one for Leo. Do you know any programming styles out there? Like you should have a push pull. So, the easiest one that almost everyone does is something called linear periodization. So you would follow the same workout program for anywhere from four to six weeks, and all you're trying to do is go up in weight a little bit, or reps a little bit. And for general population, that's like bread and butter. Like You can't go wrong, because they'll find a training adaptation to it really, really easily compared to if you had a client that's been powerlifting for six years and you gave them linear periodization, they're gonna hit a plateau really, really quickly and it's just not gonna be feasible for their training age. Do you know that term, training age, at all? So if I had a brand new client that started today, their training age is zero. Whereas for myself, I've been working out since I was like 15, my training age is a lot older. So now my body can take a lot more volume and beating when it comes to program selection. So now you start thinking, if I have a brand new person and I'm giving them a program that I've done myself and thought it was really fucking hard and I got sore all along, and if I give that to a person who has a training age of zero, I'm gonna destroy it, right? And that's a lot of mistakes that a lot of coaches do is that they'll give exercises or programs that they think are hard compared to like what the person Right? It also goes to the idea of like, if a training age is zero and they're learning how to barbell deadlift, they're gonna think of like always adding weight, always adding weight, and their body can physically not comprehend that load, and then that's where injury happens too. So you have to think about all the clients that you train, how long have they been with you, how well their body moves, and how much motor control they have. So last night, one of my clients, she's been with me for eight years. At this point, it's like I can literally give her anything and she's gonna be up for it. Whereas someone brand new, not so much. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, so an example of like linear periodization would be like if you had, let's actually start writing a program for Leo. Um, Again, if this was, say, like, workout A. How in-depth do you want to go into programming? Because like, you could spend a lot of time here. Basics. Okay. Um, say we were following a linear periodization, meaning we'll go four weeks of a phase, 
and this goes into cycles, so this guy right here. So a mesocycle would be like a long period of time. So say if I had Lee as a client for six months and then she's leaving to do a yoga retreat and move to Belize for the rest of her life. And I have six months to prep her for it. So that would be my mesocycle. And then a microcycle would be breaking that mesocycle up. So I would look at microcycles being one month chunks. So if the mesocycle is, her goal is to move and feel better, get stronger at her deadlift without any back pain. Now I'm thinking, what do I have to do in those six months, each month, to meet her demand? So then when I create a program, I sit down and start thinking in reverse what I want to do, right? So this goes into the beauty of programming is, right? Like imagine you following a random program like our clients here, compared to something that's so well detailed for the individual, how much faster you would get to your goal. Right? But you actually have to take the time to do this, and this is why it's worth it to hire a trainer. Right? I use the analogy all the time. Like I can go on YouTube and figure out how to do my own plumbing, the work, but probably down the line, the pipe's gonna burst and fuck up all my shit. That's essentially how people should look at training. Um, so say she's going to commit to three days a week, um, and we're gonna program for her her first month of training. And we're gonna start with Monday, workout A. How would you guys want to start for exercise selection? You can literally just throw out exercises out there, we're gonna figure out how to plug them in. Like even if it's just the dowel, or not, yeah, the dowel and doing the, yeah. more so for the form. Yeah. Still in there. So let's say A1 is gonna be a dowel deadlift. Where would you wanna go from there? There's no wrong way of doing this. You could have three exercises after, two, one. In this case, I would never do one just by itself because that would just be boring in a session. So what would, like, what would you guys want to do? Have two exercises in the superset, three, four. Just throw it out there. Three or four. You want to do three. Let's do three. So A2, A3. What other exercises would you put in from there? To achieve a deadline. Not to achieve a deadlift, just to make sense and work off the first one. So we're doing a hinge pattern. Where else would you want to go? Keeping in mind that um, Leah has a weird funky hip. She wants to move and feel better and get stronger. Sort of hip stability. Sure, let's go hip stability. What's one exercise that I love using for hip stability? Or position, let's reword it. Yeah, so let's do a half kneel something. What are we gonna do in the half kneel? Yeah, let's do it. So half kneel. So if you did a wood chop, what would be a regression? So think of this phase as like a foundation. So what exercise would you do? What's easier than that, like movement-wise? Just a half kneel? <laughs> you're on the right track, like a half kneel and tire rotation. Where you're just going straight out and back. Oh, straight out, okay. All right, third exercise. Where should we go? I feel like you're giving me the finger in that position. <laughs> so we have a hip hinge, hip and core stability exercise, and like, what else should we throw in there? Name random exercise and we'll see. Oh, what, sorry? Like a 
press a bit of bridge. Like a glue bridge? Yeah. Yeah. So if we look at that, I would almost move this to here. Did you say why? Yeah. So how I look at it is if she has a little back pain and she still wants to be able to deadlift, it's almost in my best interest to like really hammer out her glutes to fire. So if I have a dynamic movement like the dowel hip hinge for the deadlift and then couple it with a glute bridge to reinforce that pattern, she's gonna get that a little bit quicker. So sometimes I like pairing two exercises that do the same thing but are completely different. And then we kind of almost reinforce it in a half kneel because we're also getting glute activation, hip stability, core stability all at the same time. So that's like a really good first set. And then this is the cool thing of how programming is. Say I had an athlete with no injuries, they're like, freaking best client you could ever think of because you can just do anything with them. The easy way to scale this to make it really hard is make this a barbell deadlift and use whatever percentage load which we're going to get into later that's going to make it challenging for them. You can throw a glute bridge variation that's going to be a little bit harder and then you can still do a half kneel anti-rotation press say with the cable with a overhead like wood chop, whatever, and like literally any program you create that's like super simple, it's a way to scale it for someone really hard, but you're still following the template, right? So when I use Trainerize, I don't think you know what Trainerize is yet. So it's an app that Emily and I use for clients. So I create templates constantly. So when I get a new client and I know they need X, Y, and Z program, I put the template in and then change the exercises based on what they how they move and what they need. So now my job becomes a lot easier, right? Um, so now, that being said, what rep ranges would you want to go into? In your course, if they go over like, to train power, you want to keep within this range of reps. If you want to try it in hypertrophy, this is what you need to do. Do they ever go through that? Like, there wasn't too much on like, like programming. So if you pick up like a personal training book to get certified, they'll go through like rep ranges and they'll say to develop power, you want to stay within reps of one to five. If you want to develop strength, like raw strength, you want to stay within rep ranges of six to eight. If you want to focus on hypertrophy and grow your muscles, you want to stay between the reps of 8 to 12. If you want to build endurance, you want to stay between the reps of 15 to 20. When it comes to general population, it doesn't matter. Their body's not going to know the difference. They're just going to adapt to the stress. So you like thinking like, oh, my client really wants to build mass. I'm going to put them on a hypertrophy program. It's not going to matter if it becomes an endurance program. They're going to grow muscle regardless. It only becomes specific to the training age again. So if you had someone that has been training for 15 years, yeah, it's going to matter, right? That's where being specific works. Whereas if someone's brand new, you can have all your reps, three reps. They're still going to gain muscle, lose fat, and improve power and endurance because they've never had any other base before. Does that make, make sense? And do we know is? Sorry? So... Leah's probably been trained forever, right? So she's going to adapt to this pretty quickly, but that's where we're going to look ahead for the next phase. But that being said, long story short, what reps should we give her? 8 to 12. Sure. How many sets? Three. I like three. I don't Perfect. Um... I like using 8 to 12 for general pop. This is how I word it. Say you do an exercise for 8 reps. It feels easy. Do 12. If it still feels easy, go up in weight and go back down to 8. So I teach people how to self-regulate. Right? 
I feel like that's a really good thing to learn because what happens is as your training age gets older and you've done this workout three times, it's week four, you're supposed to push yourself to the limit and for some reason, eight reps is kicking your ass whereas the week previously you did 12 of the same weight, there's something going on in their body. Either they're getting sick, overtrained, high stress, and then now you know how to self-regulate volume, which is huge. Because people always think that they have to go balls to the wall every single workout to get the benefit. But you only get the benefit of the workout if you can recover from it. Right? Like, boiled water is boiled water. You can boil it at 50 degrees or 100 degrees. You're still going to get there. If you go any longer at 100 degrees when you know at 50 you're going to still get there, you're just like wasting energy. Right? So I want to teach people to like self-monitor that. Right? Um, so now let's go into the next section. How many exercises do you want in this next section? Two, three, four, five. What would you guys want to do? Again, there's not a standard. They look at like, say if I had a brand new person, I would maybe want them to do a total of like six sets in total. So if I know, okay, there's six sets, how many exercises is that? How many sets is that within that many exercises? But then how I progress them is every week I want them to increase the volume based on our linear, uh, linear periodization. So this is where programming allows your like creative juices to go. Like you can literally just do whatever you want. So how many should we throw in? Four. Let's do it. Um, I'm gonna run out of room on this side. So let's put it here. Two, three. All right. What four exercises are we gonna throw into here? And keep in mind what we already threw down. For example, we have no upper body whatsoever. If we look at our planes of motion, we are in sagittal plane, sagittal plane, sagittal plane. So maybe for this next section, we look at a little less sagittal and more frontal and transverse. say no to that only because it's more of a non-functional exercise which is a whole other topic that we'll get into but long story short your shoulder is more than just abduction so if we're going to do a shoulder exercise what's a more functional shoulder exercise Is the strength of the shoulder. We did it yesterday. What? What? The barbell. Oh. And it doesn't have to be a barbell, but what did we? Press? Yeah, we do shoulder press. And that would categorize into more of a frontal plane, especially if you go into like standard bodybuilding shoulder press. Alright, so from the shoulder press, where would you want to go? It can be, dumb, it can be a dumbbell shoulder press for the sake. Why do you say no to lateral again? Lateral raises? Because yeah. the shoulder is more than just abduction, right? Like, when you look at how the body functions, because here's the other thing. Exercise is a man-made invention. Our bodies are meant to do human, but we challenge it with exercise. So when you look at, say, the bodybuilding community, when they finish competing, their entire body is just wrecked. So when you move your shoulder one plane of motion and you eliminate all the other things they can do over time, other things that are attached to that shoulder is not gonna work the way it should, right? So when you look at anatomy textbooks, like, 
There's something called functional anatomy and dead anatomy. We're really good at dead anatomy. So when doctors, physios, chiros go into the cadaver lab, they look at how the body works when it's dead. They cut things out when they shouldn't, and then they move certain muscles to see what works. But when you think of the anatomy of your deltoid, at what point does it go into a tendon, collagen fibers, ligament, and then it goes into your bicep? Like, you look at the work of Thomas Myers, who figured out that our fascia is interweaved with so many different muscles, tendons, ligaments, and it has longer strands than that we thought. So an example is there's a fascial line that starts at the bottom of your midfoot that goes all the way up behind and over your skull. So if you think of the body as almost one whole unit constantly in like a harmonious thing, you doing this on a machine seated over and over and over again is going to disrupt that harmony over time. That makes sense? Kind of? Would um, 777 be an alternative to that? Because it kind of like switches it up. Yeah, definitely. We're going to have a quick break and you guys can watch what I, what I do with patients. Yeah. Because now we're going into different planes of motion to different movement. Right? So where would you want to go from for these three? You okay? Yeah. Okay. No, I didn't know you were starting. Sorry, I thought you were still No, it's all good. Want me to turn it off so you can tell us what's going on? Oh, yeah, no. Oh, no, it's not nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, cable pull? 100%. Why would you want to choose that? Because there was a press. Hell yeah. Some sort of cable row. I like it. So, Emily, because you're joining us now, essentially what we're doing is using Lee as a case study. This was our warm-up, which is super messy because we kind of, like, went in and out. Uh, but essentially, these are the exercises we came up with and what we're going to do, and then I told them, hey, we have three planes of mo motion when we move. A lot of this is sagittal. How, how would we change it to make it a little bit more balanced? So we took out the glute bridge, we did fire hydrants for frontal, we threw in hip cars, because it kind of goes back and forth between sagittal and frontal, and there were different jumping jacks for frontal, lateral lunges for frontal as well. And then I also changed this, where I took these three above here, to have a better flow. So I, you're not like getting up and off the ground? Yeah, 100%. Off another area. Boom, I taught her well. <laughs> um, Is this here? So right now, what I told everyone, there's different ways of programming. Right now we're looking at linear periodization, basically how we program for every single client. Because when it comes to someone brand new, general pop, Honestly, it doesn't matter as long as they're moving. Yeah, totally. Um, so now we're looking at workout A with Leah. And to build a good foundation, so we put down the dowel deadlift, the glute bridge, and a half knee line tire rotation press is our first one. Now we're over here. So this is exercise one? Yeah, A1, A2, A3. Are you start with the dowel deadlift? So this is like how I told them is that so many different ways of yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. And I was like, how many exercises should we start with? One, two, three, four, five? Twelve. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So they won three, so we did three. Sorry, you're saying like three for the first superset? Like yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So now we're on the next set of four exercises. We did a dumbbell shoulder press and some sort of cable row. Okay. So we did more of a frontal. Now sagittal. You're thinking of like a core exercise? Yes. Yeah. Some sort of rotational thing. Yeah. What what exercise would you want like to do for that? Yeah, hundred percent. And again, like you don't have to be specific, like because there's so many different variations of a wood yeah. chop. Because yeah, I'm thinking about something else that's a little bit more taxing than a wood chop. And something really specific to Leah that requires hip stability. That's a leg exercise. Yes, but which one specifically I'm looking for? Well, I would think like because she, yeah, was in transverse. Frontal. Sorry, frontal. 
So like a lateral lunge. So does that help hip stability? Yep. Because if you think about it, when you're running straight, and now you have to move over, what happens usually? Oh, yeah. Everyone rolls their ankle. But that comes down from their hip stability. Being able to stabilize and then go. That's why, like, if you look at running backs in the NFL, best hip stabilizers in probably any sport. You have to cut back and forth constantly. Yeah, yeah. Right? You have a marathon runner, and there's a fucking speed bump, and they have to go around, they're fucking falling over. That's why, like, mar like just run long-distance runners in general, they're terrible. Terrible athletes. they never go laterally, right? Never. They run sideways. Soccer players have good lateral stabilizers. Like, they are, like, so well-trained laterally that when it's pissing rain on a turf field and they stomp their foot laterally, they can cut and not slide and roll over their ankle. Well, and I think we can see it in the group classes. Like, when you get people, like, skaters or lateral bounds. They're terrible. Like, Everyone's terrible at it. You're like, oh, I hate this. This takes too much, like, thinking. That's not what it is. So how many reps and sets would you want? Question. Yes. Okay, so I threw out wood chalk. Yeah. And then looking back at first part, was it the half million press like an easier version of the shop? So would that be too much to add in technically? Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. But I like your thought of thinking that that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, how many reps and sets? What would you want to do? I'd stay with three. Sure. What about reps? I would probably still stay with the 8 to 12. Sure. Like you mentioned where it kind of coaches the person. Yeah. Pulling exercises, you tend to want to do more. Oh, so more. No, like 12, yeah. Like the like cable row and where are we? Um, so. Was that half oh, meal? Was that half yeah. meal butt press? Anti rotation. Oh, anti rotation. So if we say this is the program, yeah. we're just going to stop there. We're following a linear periodization, and we're doing this for four weeks. How would this change week to week in order to follow a linear periodization scheme? You're, you're taking a step ahead to a um, different... Sets, right? oh, um... Remember what I said, like, for four weeks, if we're going to follow the same thing? Increase volume. Yeah, so you'd follow, uh, increase volume or intensity. So you'd start with, like, first week, once, two sets, second week, two, three, yeah. three, four. Yeah, so in Leah's case, because, like, we were also talking about training age, because Leah's been training for yeah. X amount of years, she could easily start at three sets. Say week one, we literally followed this entire thing, so week one, and we did three sets of everything and eight reps for everything. What would week two look like if we're gonna follow a linear periodization? Well, we keep the set but increase the reps. You're sure. Intensity and volume. Yeah, so say we did eight to 10. 10 to 12 reps for every single thing, and now we're on week three, How's that gonna look? Well, you can increase intensity in the exercises. Weight-wise, make it more challenging for her. Sure, let's do three sets, more weight. Now week four, what are we doing? <laughs> you can, yeah. You can three sets on weight. throw in four sets. Even though it's not written down, that's one way of doing it. That's you see what I mean? Like programming, it's like as long as you know the rules, you break them as much as possible. As yeah. long as you follow the basis. It also depends on how they're, how they're feeling. And if she's like super energetic one day, you can just change it on the spot based on how they're feeling. Does anyone have like a tissue to wipe this down at all? I guess or can you grab the, oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, just go, go, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Any questions on this? This is gonna get a lot more complicated now. 
Are you like erasing it all? I'm not gonna erase this because now we're gonna go into a non-linear and an undulating progression. Hey, uh, you wanna take the picture first? No? Okay. No, like you can wipe all this off but keep this. Yeah. So does anyone know what's a non-linear well, and undulating periodization scheme? Um so it would be the opposite or not. Not really. Okay, so we can literally use the same workout. And actually, would you guys rather do workout B to complement what we just did? Yeah. Camila? What do you mean by workout B? The opposite. So let's say Leah wants to work out twice a week and you have to create a program. Uh, okay. Sorry, is it red still? No. So, oh, I see. So the opposite of okay. So let's now do work LB. I think that'd be better before I go into more confusing things. That's making me like gloss over like. <laughs> All right, what are we doing? First exercise. I feel like I feel like I need more list of exercises. Like you asked me what exercise was like, what's the opposite? Like then think of something that would be like working similar muscle groups, but not the same movement. Okay. So here's another uh, stability or a yoga ball, hamstring curl. Sure. So let's look at also this thing. If you had to categorize these exercises, the dowel deadlift and the Blue bridge is a hip dominant exercise. Yeah. Maybe for the other day we should do a knee dominant exercise to balance it out. So what would be a more knee dominant exercise? Think more quad dominant. So why dominant. would you go knees and not like a different part of the body? Well, like, for like not specifically the knee. I'm just saying it, like if you had to categorize lower body exercises, there's hip dominant exercises and knee dominant exercises. Going back to almost this concept, if your entire program's all hip dominant exercises, you're leaving a lot of stuff on the table that's gonna start lagging behind. So what exercise do you do in the gym that, that flexes your knees? That's like lunge. Yeah, a lunge. Squat. Squat, lunge, yeah. So let's let's go with the split squat. And again, we'll just write down split squat. And then this goes back to the beauty of how progressions and regressions work. Say Leah, because she enjoys the barbell, barbell split squat. Can I ask a question about yeah. split squats? I've been hearing from other trainers. Um, They're wrong. <laughs> um, about the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the value in a split squat, because you can't, with a barbell, get full like extension. Like at the top? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then some trainers say they don't even give it to their clients because they don't feel that there's enough um, value in the movement. Okay. Um, what's your take on that? Um, I go back to what's the goal of the client. Yeah. Right? Like, saying broad statements like that, like, they need a lot of context. So if I'm thinking of a general population person, one, I wouldn't give them a barbell split squat, mm -hmm. but the split squat is what I want them to improve on for single leg strength, because everyone's terrible for single leg strength, right? There's also a huge movement of people who say they don't give step ups because it fucks up people's SI joints. Right, like it, it really just depends on the person, right? Um, if I had a athlete, maybe I'll start looking into those things, but then it goes, why are they saying that? Like, have they assessed the person's hips? Have they assessed their knee? Have they assessed their ankle? Maybe they can literally do any squat, like any okay, uh, bilateral enough. squat, and all your leg exercises have to be unilateral. You're right. Okay. Right? It really, really depends. So, like, if it was a post on Instagram, they're probably saying certain things like that to get more traction. Right? So a friend of mine wrote a huge article proving why the functional movement screen is the worst thing that's ever happened to our industry. Actually? 100%. And what? so many people 
went to read it. He went on so many podcasts. And when I talked to him, he's like, I just did it on purpose. To get the conversation. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. So you just actually believe that? No. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right? Like, you can literally start anything, right? Sure. Like, when Brent Contreras just came out with that new research book about the hip thrust, there was some other dude who said, hip thrust is the worst thing you can do for your glutes. It's not functional whatsoever. You never lie down on your back and drive your hips up in any sporting event. <laughs> sure. Fair. But it's like... What's the goal? Yeah. It, it all depends. If someone said, like, I want a big booty, hell yeah, I'll do the barbell hip thrust because it doesn't require any spinal loading and it directly affects the glutes. And you can load it heavy. It was like your post. Yeah. Okay. It always depends on the goal, right? What's the goal? If I think if you ask yourself that as a trainer when you program, I think that's going to really help. Yeah. Because I think sometimes you put stuff in there because you're like, oh, you need it to be fancy or you, you're, whatever it might be. But I think if you ask yourself what's the client's goals, you will make training about you and what you want, but you'll make it about what the client wants. Yeah. But like, again, like say you saw that and you're like, oh my God, now I have to change everything. And Leah goes, whatever you do, don't take out split squats in my program. And you're like, well, according <laughs> to this person, we're not going to do it because it doesn't prevent like, <laughs> so like another example, like you wanted to do lateral raises, right? So I told you like, hey, it's not the best functional exercise, but if you're like, I really want this exercise in, am I going to say no? I shouldn't. If I said no, and then you start training with me, and you never see stuff that you want, you'll probably end up leaving. So it goes back to now the business side. As much as you know with your knowledge and you're trying to program functionally and make the person move better, you kind of have to give the person their dessert constantly to keep them happy, right? So it really, really depends on the person. So long story short, we're on now in A2. Where are we going from the split squat? And let's just get crazy and just keep this to two exercises. So your so A2 glute bridge, certainly has something else. The opposite, or you could throw in like, here's another crazy idea. Say Leah's hip is fucking terrible, like painful or whatever it is, you can throw a mobility or rehab exercise in there. Sure, let's do 90-90. So that being said... Can I ask you a question? Yes. You know how the guy, Jeff, that was in here, he has um, neck issues and he's always like hunched over. Yep. Why did you just go straight to the 90-90 and hip stuff when that, like how does that have to do with the neck and the um, so again, this would be me now going to Darren to at the end of our shift to talk about patients because it's like he had an initial like I'm not gonna he's not gonna have time to dissect everything that's happening. So like when Sarah and Darren are with the patient, they know what they need to work on. They're thinking about exercise. They're gonna be highest payoff. Sure, I could spend ten minutes teaching him how to do this against this car seat every single. But like that's not going to be the biggest payoff, and it's like also we're trying to get him as a patient returning. If I give him that exercise, he's going to be like, this is just like any other physio. And he even made comments like, I'm not going to do the exercise. But at the end of it, he's like, fuck, these are good, right? So uh, that's another aspect of like the treatment model, but also on the exercise side, right? Everyone had a trainer before, and anytime I get a new client, I ask him, why aren't you with your trainer now? Bad experience, didn't get results, and I don't know, right? So you always kind of have to look at the biggest payoff, right? Um, so with him, like eventually we'll get more specific, but it's like three things that attack all the stuff that he can feel right away and be like, shit, I need to come back, right? Sneaky stuff, yeah. Um, okay, any other questions? This is good, by the way, I like it. Um, so now looking at this, how would you, what rep scheme would you want to choose? Without making it feel, this goes back to the marketing and high to payoff, that it's really easy. Is it a weighted split spot or just a body weight? Yeah, weighted split okay. spot. Let's cool. say dumbbell. Well, for Leah, I'd probably load like somewhat heavy, like a six to eight on a split squat. 
Yeah, that's one way of doing it. Or you do like 15. Why not? Why not, yeah. Right? And that's going to destroy her. So like, we have two options, six to eight heavy, or 15 each side to destroy her. And then say here, we just do like six dips forward and back each side. That's going to give her like the feeling of like this program is really specific to me because now I'm loading a pattern that I'm going to be challenged and I like lifting heavy, but it doesn't feel like a rehab program. I'm doing a mobility stretch exercise that's specific to my hip. This is a solid set. 